Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. Show me how to get rid of the unlimited capacity for human beings to make themselves believe that they're somehow right, and you'll just about put this place here out of business. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, I can't believe it, but this is our 200th episode and we have to celebrate. But just please tell me you're not going to whip out your d- and start, d- are you? <laughs> I feel like whip out is saying something about the size. Like, I don't know, whip is uh, an appropriate term for just squeezing out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you Just think? Nudging out. I feel like a whip indicates, you know, like a two. I got like a twelve right. incher. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to uh, hype it up and then have yeah, people be know, disappointed. Better to set expectations low. <laughs> uh, no, I um, absolutely am. This is a principled, co- even Kantian stance that I hold, yeah. in which is Among your many. webcam should. You may, yeah, your webcam should never even be pointing below your waist because then you could do whatever you want. Right, but that's true. <laughs> but presumably, what we're subtweeting here, subtweeting, I don't know. Can you say subtweeting when you're just not on Twitter? <laughs> but uh, is uh, Jeffrey Tubin? Presumably, what he was doing was for an audience, not the people. That's that's right. Camera A should have been above the waist. Like work cameras should always be above the waist. You know, if you're going to do that stuff, like take an iPad, put that on your waist, maybe like a low coffee table, your regular task, your regular computer, uh, waist level and above, please. This is as a general rule, dick below, below camera. Dick below yeah. camera. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll write that down. Hopefully... <laughs> That'll prevent me from, uh, you know, making a similar mistake. So when uh, I I think after the last episode, we I, I tweeted out the the episode, and then I said that I had to note because it was right after the Tubin thing happened that uh, we recorded before before it happened, or else we would have talked about it like pretty much for the whole episode. But Paul Bloom. Uh, among many other people, but Paul Bloom did it to us, but there were a lot of people who, for whatever reason, just decided, oh, no, we can't, j- you know, we can't joke about this, you know, like, this is terrible, like, this is an, this is also part of a larger intrusion by the workplace into the home and all of that, and I, I don't agree. So Paul said, leave the poor guy alone. Um, but I, <laughs> but, but here, here's my, I think, principled stand here. This was a Zoom meeting between writers and staff from The New Yorker and NPR. And they 
they were doing an, an election simulation. Was, was it like a full-on virtual reality, like POV simulation? No, I think it was like, it was, people were adopting roles of how like different election scenarios would play out. And Tubin, in fact, was at one point, I, I heard, playing like judges that were ruling on various issues <laughs> like, you know, whether Pennsylvania could count mail-in ballots with unmatching signatures, slightly unmatching signatures or something like that. And then all of a sudden, Jeffrey Tubin, who's a kind of pompous writer for The New Yorker, a CNN legal analyst, he wrote the OJ book that uh, the doc uh, was partly based on. Oh, wow. And he just starts jerking off during this uh, this massive jerk fest. I, like, I'm not going to try <laughs> to make the jokes that everybody made. But if you can't make fun of that, then there's no point to life. Then there's no, then the anti-natalists are right and they win. And the terrorists too. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get it. The, I don't get the idea that we're not supposed to <laughs> laugh at, at that. I mean, is this just, is this just our particular Twitter feed being lib- liberal bias and like the, the fact that Tubin is, you know, like one of us or something? Because like, did anybody say that about Anthony Weiner? Like, I, Wiener. Wiener? Wiener? Wiener, yeah. Anthony Weiner. I, I was trying to be respectful and not call him that. I think that one was, there was just, it was just off the table, not to make fun of that. <laughs> like, it just wasn't in the realm <laughs> of possibility. Me. But but I think this one <laughs> is too. It's off the table. It's just not part, like, the Overton window doesn't, it's not in the Overton window not to make fun of this. Like, like he, What's he the just Overton started- window? The Overton window is the things that are debatable, like, and so when people say uh, move the Overton window, like, all of a sudden, like, universal health care in America was outside the Overton window, and then Bernie helped move it into the- Bring it back in. I see. I want to laugh at it because of how uncomfortable it makes me. Like, I don't, like, I think that just the thought of that happening- I mean, I, I have a below, like above waist rule, but the thought of that happening to me makes me so uncomfortable. It just makes me so nervous to think about the cringe when you realize, can you imagine the moment, the moment it dawns on you that this whole time mm. they've been watching you jerk off? That is such an, uh, a shameful, like I, I'm just filled with, I, I guess, again, my Kantian shame. Well, no, this might be your Christian, like your religious upbringing. My Christian, yeah, yeah my remote, Um, that I, I want to laugh to keep from crying. And isn't this what comedy is for, you know? Like this is, this, <laughs> this is the role that it plays in society. We make... We make jokes. (laughs) And it's not a double standard. I wouldn't do the election simulation for one thing. Like if you paid me like like $50,000. Wait till part two of the opening. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, But like that sounds like a a vision of just, I don't know, of hell or just a godless void of nothingness. (laughs) I get all high and mighty about this stuff. Like why are you jacking off during a work call? But if I was in a election simulation (laughs) where like I was role-playing various different like pundits or like judges or whatever like I don't know what I would do like you don't know what you're gonna do it's like war you know like you (laughs) you don't know like where that would leave you mentally that's why that's why veterans don't talk about that shit when they get home (laughs) exactly (laughs) but if I did I would never in my wildest imagination, expect people to not make fun of me. No, exactly right. Like, oh, oh my God. Like, I would just be like, go, go for it, guys. Like, whatever, you know, 
What am I going to do? I, you know, I might be like, have your fun. I'm off of Twitter for a while. Even if I lost my job, which I don't know. Do you think we would lose tenure if we did that during like a faculty meeting? Well, we had a, uh, we had like a little text exchange with Yoel uh, after this happened. And I forget which one of you said like- I had this, to know. If this was like a, a class, you said. Yeah, if it was a class. Like if this was a, like you were teaching a class and all of a sudden you started jerking off during class, could we lose our jobs? Like during a Zoom breakout session and then they all came back and then I was just like, what? Like, like <laughs> hand, hand on my Johnson. I mean, there's like, only one way to find out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but so, so is it that this is the sense that I got uh, from some people who are like, it's not funny. And then there was even some articles about like, this shows the shame about masturbation or I don't know what, like, I don't know what they were trying to do to make it not funny. But I was like, I just let it be funny. Let it be let funny. It be, like, let it be funny. It's hilarious. It was an election <laughs> simulation no... with the New Yorker and NPR. And and he just starts <laughs> jerking up. And like, it wasn't on purpose. Like it'd be one thing if this were, you know, I think it's like obviously a serious, a ser- actually back to that text conversation. So th- I got in a conversation about with Nikki about whether or not this was like an instance of him exposing himself on purpose. And I was saying something about the rates of like how many women have seen men expose themselves on purpose. And it ended up transcribing like i hit the oh, wrong yes. button i want to find can i i want to i want to find that text because uh, <laughs> this, was, this was in that text thread with yoel i came in late to it um and like you guys were already talking about whether you would get fired if you started jacking it during class and i i said this is a class you're teaching and i, I said i think you might be out of a job and then you responded to that. Well, I think they're starting to get into lower numbers and you're starting to get an alone numbers when you have like 10% of the male population is gay. And also it's more dangerous probably uh, will be attached as a gay man exposing yourself to heterosexual man. Yeah, rough 20. <laughs> and then I replied, I've lost the thread. That's the name of my new album, by the way. That whole thing is the name of my new album. Or, or yeah, rough 20. That could be good too. <laughs> rough 20. Yeah. So that's when I lost the thread and you said it was an audio transcription. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which was like hilarious in this context of like privacy leaking <clears throat> that it had transcribed that. But let me just explain what, like the quick, <laughs> what I was saying. We were talking about. Um, Where did like gay men, like exposing themselves to heterosexual men come in? So, so here's where it came in. <clears throat> I was, uh, I was saying that I think one of the biggest gaps in knowledge that I know of across the genders is how clear it is to women how many times they get exposed to men jerking off in public and how surprising it is for us, like if that even happened once. If like I saw a man jerking off like and looking at me, I would be like, I would rush home, I would text you and Yoel and I would like call my dad and we'd laugh at it. Um, And so, and Nikki was saying like, oh my God, it's happened countless times. And I remember even my sister as like an 11 year old at a water park telling me that some guy was jerking in front of her. And so, um, and so Nikki was saying, well, it's weird. You would think that given that there are a substantial number of gay men that they would expose themselves. And so there would be some number of men who had had that experience um, that's higher than you might think. And I said, well, yeah, but like you're getting to low numbers, like say 10%, even, but it's even lower than 10%. But even then, I think if you're like a pervy gay man who wants to expose themselves, doing it to heterosexual men is actually physically dangerous, probably. Like you might get your ass beat 
by like a group of guys if you did that just because of how how lots of men are so that was the conversation we were having. it's an interesting point like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so next time on very bad was um, yeah. main segment yeah but this is all to say that it was just as it was just about Tubin not being an instance of somebody trying to like expose themselves on purpose this was like clearly an accident like it, this, this was not something that you, you might want to morally blame him for something but it would be more like negligence and not like like harassment right that's the thing about it is in fact actually i think people were restrained about it because i think people get that like he didn't mean to do it and like you know but still like i won't be told that it's not funny because it is funny it's like the definition of funny (laughs) day it happened there was like twitter was fun but then it just kind of died down i don't know maybe there's more important stuff going on i don't know yeah speaking uh (laughs) Speaking of uh, more important things going on, Dave, we were talking about like the opening segment for this episode and Dave, Dave, David Pizarro said that he wanted to make election predictions for uh, the opening segment. And that would be fun to talk about. And I honestly didn't know, like that was more confusing to me than his text about like the game. (laughs) And the <laughs> and the rough twenty and all of that. Like I was like, wait, what? Who who am I talking to? Which is more evidence of a stroke. It's uh, it's it sounded like you. So we're gonna do that. But and and then in our second segment, we are going to revisit our forty fifth episode, um, where we got in a pretty bad fight uh, about gender balanced play diet. So, so about what kinds of toys you want to expose your kids to, um, your, your little boys and your little girls. As our assignment, we read some articles and we both re-listened to that episode as painful as it was. So we're going to have insightful analysis. <laughs> I, 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 it should be probably a very short segment. You'll just apologize. You'll say I was right and we'll just move on. It's funny. I thought I thought that's what you were going to do. I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess not. Um, uh, all right. And are we talking about the holes or not? Oh yeah, let's talk about the holes. It's an action-packed, just jammed two uh, hundredth episode. This is uh, because we have bourbon. This is a bourbon episode. Do you want to do like the two psychologists four beers thing and talk about the bourbon? Sure. I've always wanted to sound more douchey. Why don't we do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 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 I'm drinking Angel's Envy, which is smooth. It is it is just smooth. <laughs> I'm drinking Boondocks, which is an eight-year-old straight bourbon whiskey finished in port barrels. Yeah, so, all right. That was good. We're done. Done being douchey. This has been your Moment of Douche, brought to you by Two Psychologists, Four Beers. Start with, with holes, then move on to predictions. Sure. Because there's an interesting, there's an angle that I find interesting here, okay. which, which I think, so uh, this is somebody on the data is beautiful Reddit, but then posted, somebody posted it to our subreddit, surveyed what was like 1600 people, I think. How many holes does a given object have? And so they have um, nine objects and they charted the options that people were given are zero, zero holes, one hole or two holes, <laughs> and some a couple of these perplex me, but but um, one of the things that I really found hilarious was the number of well actually posts on the original uh, Reddit thread of people hopping on and correcting 
people's intuitions because they knew like the Wikipedia article on topology. <laughs> and that just, I was like, oh my God, come on. So yeah. there, there, it reveals a kind of Platonism that people have. <laughs> but also just misses the point, like if, like what point would it be to survey people if what you're concerned with is the mathematically correct answer? Like th this misses that we use the word holes. In fact, this is a defense of conceptual analysis in philosophy in many ways. <laughs> there is the mathematics of holes and then there's the way in which we use the concept holes in everyday life. Right, and it's not about the mathematics of holes. <laughs> they're not being asked about like a technical question. They're being asked about the ordinary language usage of holes. All right, so... Should we go through the results or I don't know, like I, I kind of lack the gene for finding this surprising or like really interesting, but it seemed like everyone was fascinated by it. Like Fiery Cushman <laughs> put out a tweet that was just like, it, it was like he saw like how I felt when I first saw Mulholland Drive or something like that. <laughs> <clears throat> We've alluded to the philosophy holes before. That was in the absurd episode, right? 126? Uh, maybe. I don't remember. It was the one where, like, your toe is best at, like, finding, like, identifying holes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your tongue. It, no, no. Tongue was second. I think toes were first. Oh, I, I, or, I, I don't yeah, know. I, was, I don't remember. But, yeah, there is only one thing in this that, I mean, there are some, the results are pretty clear for a lot of them. Like a donut, okay, a donut, most everybody, 97% of people say a donut has one hole. Um, and surprise, mathematicians agree. A rubber band? Yeah. Now, 39% of people say it has zero holes. I have to think that if you were just asked about a donut and then you're asked about a rubber band, wouldn't you think that a, a rubber band has one hole as well? I might not. Because, like, sometimes the rubber band is, you know, it's, like, lying flat on each other, you know, the two sides. And so there's no real hole there. Or maybe there's two holes uh, because it's, like, on the side. This is the thing. Like, if you say, like, a straw, like, straw was actually, like, a split decision. That's the one that's the talk. That's the one. That's the really the only one I want to talk about. Um, but this is what I mean about I lack the gene. So uh, 60... 65%. Say, say it has one. Yeah. 29.3% say it has two. No, no number percentage of zero. Yeah, but smaller for zero. So if you ask me how many holes a straw has, I, I would probably say one, but then they would be like, yeah, but if you turn the straw over, it seems like there's another hole. And I might go, okay, well then two. I don't know. <laughs> like this is why like I was like I don't feel like there's a a right answer to how many holes a straw has. No, but but like your first intuition, my first intuition is that a straw has two holes. And it is interesting that once it's pointed out to me that it might be one, like I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess so." Like I was walking around thinking of of both sides because I have access to both sides. Um it seems, but it's no different than I guess a donut. This is where, though, the people that the the well actually brigade came out and and was talking about um, a hole is supposed to have just so you can go from one side to the other. So uh, like a you can go completely in one side and you come out the other. That's one hole, which I find interesting. That a hole in the ground topologically is not a hole. So when you say I'm going to dig a hole, unless you dig it to China, you have you don't have a hole top like for for a mathematician. Which means, and this is the only thing I wanted to get to, that 
if that's one hole, if a straw has only one hole, if you sucked a cock, you've had anal. <laughs> Whoa. Is this one of your texts where you were? <laughs> if that- you suck, let me see if I can like unpack this. <laughs> Hold on. If the topologists are right. And the straw is one hole. Yeah. Then, then your throat and your anus are the, are the same hole. Why? Because it's just one, you know, there's a direct connection. Well, what about your, like, pee-pee hole? <laughs> that's also... That's, a, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like a, a, a straw with a hole in it. <laughs> a straw with, like... <laughs> okay. Cinch your pee-pee hole shut. <laughs> now... That is one direct connection from your mouth to your butt. <laughs> so according to the topologists, how many holes are in the body? Like your your two ear holes, well, I guess they're they're not real holes because they don't come out anywhere. You'd have to have like a hollow part between the ears and your throat, maybe. And this is a re- this is this is real science at this point. <laughs> I've definitely lost the thread. I mean, uh, look, we can connect it directly to our election predictions by talking about hanging chads. How about that? But I want to say about this that, like, I think what the topologists say about holes isn't authoritative. No, because I dig a hole. Like, that's a hole to me. Like, I don't care what a mathematician says. Like, they're just using a different different definition of the term hole. Like, don't... And I don't want any corrective emails saying, like, that's... <laughs> This is the just, well, actually. Yeah, there is some. There are some cases in which you have two different concepts being used, and one has no authority over the other. Exactly. Um, washer for bolts is a weird one, though, because why? It's weird. Why did only eight? Like, why did sixteen percent of people say there were zero holes? Well, it's like a rubber band to me because I didn't buy your explanation of why a rubber band might be seen as having zero holes. Like, it's the structure of a rubber band can be twisted but but we know the shape of it it's just like a i guess still like given that like a donut is a washer but you can eat it and it doesn't work with uh uh, bolts yeah um a a washer is a torus as is a donut and a rubber band and a and a straw here's the one that perplexes me five percent of people said a spoon has one hole is that because like they view so like in my defense of a hole in the ground? Yeah, exactly. Being a hole like that, there was metal that was removed, like scraped away to make. Because in my, like my lay theory is that a spoon is a flat sheet of metal with uh, that somebody banged on to make it into a divot. Not that someone removed a portion of it. Well, I can't speak to like how spoons are made, but then 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 don't say anything. Then don't say. Anything. <laughs> be silent. <laughs> uh, but I will say that this exposes your hypocrisy, which will also be exposed in the second segment. Like you, you say the, that if you dig a hole, that's like that's a hole. But now all of a sudden, a spoon, which also has this indentation that comes, is not a hole. It's like which is it? I've explained why because in the case of Earth, where you're you're removing portions of the object and leaving empty space, whereas a spoon doesn't have like the thing that you started with doesn't have less spoon than when you started right a bowl uh 33% of people think it has one hole now that one's a, in a cup 46% i wouldn't say a bowl has a hole you wouldn't 
No. Yeah, I I don't know, man. This is this is conceptual <laughs> philosophy. I'm, I was trying to. <laughs> but here's why I don't think a bull has a hole. And this is not going to be like anal is like sucking dick or whatever, but this is... I apologize for that statement. It's the most juvenile comment I could have made about what Fiery Cushman thought was great cognitive science. If, if someone says this bowl has a hole, I would think that there was an actual hole in the bowl. And so like if you put soup in it or cereal, it's going to leak out. So so then same for spoon, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. And cup. Exactly. And cup as well. That's and right. Cup. That's right. If someone yeah. said this donut has a hole, I'd be like, no shit, it's a donut, you fucking idiot. You fucking, like, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> Leave me alone. What kind of faculty meeting is this? Um, this is, I'm just going to start jacking. Right now. <laughs> the, the weird thing, I questioned the survey, the person who created the survey. Part of the, <laughs> what is, this is like, suppose, like, the, like the best scientists in the world are celebrating this as like <laughs> fascinating and groundbreaking, but this is like a post on Reddit about some guy who says he did this. That's right. He, he could have, he, he could, <laughs> he, he could have uh, very easily just sat on his computer and punched numbers into Excel. But he, he, he says, or she, I don't know, last about the letter O. The letter O isn't an object in my mind. It's an abstraction. Like I, I, I refuse to answer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I refuse to answer. I take the fifth on the letter O. <laughs> like it seems like he forced a response. Yeah, forced responses are like, I mean, you know, because that's like, <laughs> that's the, the, the trick that you employ to get all your results. All right, like, uh, before like, we got to get to our like resolving our debate, like we are going to achieve closure. So there will be no hole in our debates about um, so clever. gender gender diets. I know, it's so smooth. It's 200 episodes, you know, you learn something over there. But uh, before that, David insisted that we give our election predictions. Um, so I'll, I'll turn it over to you. So we talked a little bit about how, how people are freaking out. Like, I just still think that there's some, his, there's some hysterics going on with like whether or not Trump is going to win. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I think... It's just going to be a landslide. I, I don't. I don't even think. At worst, this is how it's going to play out. At the beginning of the night, um, we're going to worry that it's only going to be the mail-in ballots. We're going to worry that Trump is going to hold the office hostage, and and we're going to have to do that that thing that happened in Florida in two thousand, and and not know until January. And even then, it's going to. Be, but I think it'll be clearly answered by the end of the night and i think that the liberals will be able to sleep sleep soundly and not cry the next morning like some of us did four years ago did you cry yeah remember you you tried to clown me for crying because of your toxic masculinity uh, <laughs> yeah well i was playing with too many dinosaurs and legos so don't blame me <laughs> it's my socialization christina uh, taylor said <laughs> Uh, I don't know about on election night it will be fully called but I agree that I think it's going to be significant for Biden I will he concede if if I'm right I still am not sure whether Trump will concede oh see like that's the thing I'm less worried about is like I don't think that there's enough apparatus in place for a real like steal the election thing no no I and especially if it's like if it's significant if it's like if it's clear on election night, I don't think at all. Like there's no, there's nothing like nobody, people will, will dump Trump. Like they will try to get off that bus as, you know, with as minimal damage as possible, even Republicans, I think. 
I totally am with you, but but <clears throat> maybe famous last words, but I'm totally with you. I only mean, will Trump make that phone call? To even try? No, no, the concession phone call that night, if it's clear. Oh, no. Right? That's what I mean. Like, I don't think, like, I think he'll just stubbornly uh, hold out and he'll never in public say something like concession-y. Well, so... There's one thing I remember, and I don't know why I, w- I was traveling and I watched like one of the Hillary Trump debates. And that last question was, it was like a town hall debate. Will you say something nice about your opponent? <laughs> and tr- like Hillary said, well, I guess he has a family and that's good, you know. Uh, but and then Trump <laughs> said like something actually sincere. He was like, here's what I respect about Hillary Clinton. She's a fighter. She's been like battling things for her whole life and she is a fighter and I respect that. And it like it seemed like genuine, way more genuine than what Hillary Clinton said. And so I think there's a chance, a very small chance that he just does that. He just says Congratulations. I don't know what calculations go. It's very hard to figure out like what goes on in his mind about these kinds of things. But, um, but yeah, I think there's a chance, but no, I don't think he's, he'll concede. I think he'll put up, he'll, he'll definitely, he'll be tweeting up a storm about election fraud and all of that. I just don't know if there's enough behind that to amount to anything real. Like I could see some crazy militia guys killing somebody and which is terrible, but it's a big gap between that and altering the election in, in a way that like means that Biden won't be president in January. Yeah, I, like I, I could see him doing that because if it's really obvious, it just might not be worth the fight for him. I suspect that if he loses, he'll be out of the country within a week, like quote unquote vacationing, but really trying to avoid being prosecuted. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't think we're that good that we're going to get him under prosecution right away. <laughs> no. And you know what? Fine. Just enough. I do feel like it's, this is why I agree with you, like that maybe it'll be settled on election night. Like I think like people are just enough of this. What do you think about the Senate though, Dave? I have no idea. Uh, I barely, I barely know that the, that there is uh, a Senate in the House. <laughs> I know that one's Republican. <laughs> I know that we just put in a, just a new Supreme Court justice. It's pretty good. You're like a cautionary tale of like the lack of civic responsibility. In- hey, I know we need 270 electrical votes to win. <laughs> electrical? Electoral. <laughs> no, but but sounds like you have thoughts about the Senate. Uh, not really. Like I think maybe Democrats are favored to win, and I don't know anything otherwise. I, I will make a slightly risky, no, like very risky prediction. I'm not signed up for any of those betting markets, but if I got like plus 250. What does that mean? Plus 250. Like, so if I bet $100, I would get $250 okay. that Biden will win Texas. I would bet that. You should do it. I know. Um, are we going to say any navel gazing things about episode 200? Yeah. Or should we save that for 201s? Let's save that. Yeah. I have some thoughts about us doing this for 200 episodes, but yeah. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. We'll be right back to relitigate our famous fight on gender toys or something. <laughs> this episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you by BetterHelp. Let's face it. There are times when we all need some help. You might be feeling extra this week if you're listening uh, the week in which we put out this episode. All of us. 
And there's times when it seems as if there's no place to get it. Of course, there are crisis lines that specialize in dealing with emergencies, but what if you just need or want to speak to a professional about whatever is going on in your life right now? Well, you'd have to go about finding a good therapist, word of mouth, um, looking them up on the internet to find a local good therapist, making sure they have openings for new patients. A lot of times good therapists don't. Making sure that they take your insurance and that you can make an appointment soon. Well, things are different because now you can use BetterHelp. It's a different kind of service. BetterHelp can help you connect with a therapist, a licensed professional therapist, in a safe and private online environment. And in under 24 hours, they'll have you talking to somebody with experience and expertise in the particular area that you're struggling with, whether it be anxiety, a bad breakup or other relationship issues, depression, grief, trauma. Um, they're there to help. Anything you share with them is confidential because, as I said before, they are professional therapists. It's convenient. It's affordable. They have uh, financial aid if you need it. If you don't believe me, you can check out the testimonials posted on their site daily. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional 50 counselors across all 50 states. And it's a service that's available across all 50 states. So start living a happier life today. Listen Go to BetterHelp.com. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month if you visit BetterHelp.com slash VBW. So join the over 1 million people who have already started taking charge of their mental health. Go to BetterHelp, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash VBW. Our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. to Very Bad Wizards. This is the time of the podcast, the 200th time in this podcast, where we take a moment to uh, talk to our listeners sincerely. And thank you all for all of the support that you've given us from the get-go, um, from our oldest supporters to our newest supporters. We really appreciate it. And as we always say, it is really this community um, that keeps us motivated at times when we might not have had the motivation to continue. By oldest, do you mean they've listened a long time or oldest in age? Or like your age, people. Like, yeah, <laughs> both, both. It was double entendre. <laughs> I wonder who our oldest listener is. If, if you are uh, um, in your 70s and you listen to us um, or above, just let us know. We'll do uh, the thing like that weatherman used to do <laughs> when he would celebrate. Uh, what was the weatherman's name? Like oh yeah, birthday. the black guy who who lost a lot of weight. Yeah, um, Al Al Al, right? Gro um, no. Roper, Ro Ro Roker, 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 Roker. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is really this is this is what you tune in for. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for getting in touch uh, with us. Thank you for your emails, your messages, your discussion, your criticism. Um, if you want to engage with us or our community, you can email us, verybadwizards at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at verybadwizards, at Tamler, or at Peas. You can uh, join our community on Reddit and engage in discussion there. Um, there's always lively discussion going on after each episode. You can uh, follow us on Instagram. You can rate us on Apple Music. We we really, really appreciate those. And I want to... Oh, and you can listen to us on Spotify. Um, and just spread the word. You know, there's 200 episodes in the bank. If, if you want to tell a friend, please feel free to, to share. I wanted to mention one uh, of our listeners in particular because... He sent us something that's just so badass that we're going to share it. And if everything works well, if your podcast's client of choice allows you to see chapter art, I'm going to make this segment have the chapter art of some fan art by a listener named Giovanni Kwan. I think he's okay with us saying his name. He has an Instagram account. Go follow him. He's an amazing uh, graphic designer, digital artist, uh, Giovanni Kwan at Instagram. I'll put a link to it. But he did this like incredible, like it looks like a comic book cover. It's amazing. It's it's so cool. Like I just had fun looking at it for all of the Easter eggs that are in there. In fact, you and I haven't sat and looked at it uh, no. together. But, in fact, but I like, haven't really studied it like oh carefully. Oh God, man. It's there so cool detail. though. Yeah. yeah. There's detail in there that is is amazing. Just you can just tell that he's been listening to us for far 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 too far, long. That is the detail. Yeah. Uh, there's Paul Bloom is in there, Sam Harris is in there. Um there's pulp fiction references, there's drug references, <laughs> there's Borges references. It's amazing. It's amazing. So um, thank you, Giovanni. There's Laurie Santos, right? I forgot about that. And Charlie, it's a, it's a freaking phenomenal uh, drawing of Charlie. It's amazing. So uh, so thanks. Thanks all, you know, uh, uh, over the years, a number of listeners have given us art and we always really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, and yeah. There's, yeah. I, I, I didn't say the one thing that, that, that I said I was going to say, which was that we're not sure about the election results. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're, so we're recording this later than we recorded the other episode. We feel like we might have been a little cocky there. And I, my jinx vibes were, were uh, like, as I was editing it, I was like, oh, no, we didn't fucking say that. Are we, are we out of our minds? So, yeah. I'm I mean, pretty much I, if, if Trump wins, it will have been directly our fault is what you're saying. Yeah. And I don't have a great track record, you know, <laughs> with uh, predicting the consequences of an election either. So... Try not That's to blame right. us if either, you know, the country is on fire or um, Trump just wins fair and square or, you know. Uh, yeah, we, I'm just, just going to double down. Fuck it. I'm just doubling down. <laughs> You're not scared of jinxes like I am. No, I'm not. My whole life. Like, I believe in jinxes. I believe they're real. And they're yeah. as real as the aliens on Venus. Well, if there's if there's anything that our constant listener emails have taught me is that my vote is actually the most important vote in all mm -hmm. of the nation. That that uh, whatever I vote for yeah. will magically 
cause the outcome. Well, you're just a sign for like where, you know, where the election is turned, like how good the polling has been. I mean, statistically that I'm voting should be yeah. like a leading indicator of what the turnout is going to be. Yeah. Although we'll see whether you vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, true. So, you know, like we don't want to count our chickens. Well, hold him to account. Ithaca listeners, make him vote, drag him out of bed and make him vote. I have early voted, uh, like, like a lot of Texas has. So, um, if you would like to support us in more tangible ways, um, we are so thankful for our Patreon listeners who actually gave us the idea for our 200th episode. Um, they, in uh, one of the, one of the times every six months or so where we ask our listeners to help us come up with topics and that one was not voted in by our Patreon supporters, but it was definitely one that I liked. And, uh, as 200 came closer, um, we decided to do it and we have some other cool ideas for episode topics too. So, um, The financial support is crucial and the just engagement and idea support is also crucial as if you do 200 of these, you start to to, uh, be scrambling for new things to talk about. Um, Seriously. uh, This isn't a great example since we're literally (laughs) discussing like what what we already talked about uh, before. But yes, it's a new twist on it. Um, Yeah, so you can go to our Patreon. You could also give us a one-time or recurring donation on PayPal. Um, We have some bonus content, and it's been a little slow on the bonus content just because we are adjusting to the light into the world of uh, recording lecture videos and uh dealing with all of this so our time has been stretched pretty thin but um we have some ideas for bonus episodes on the show atlanta which we both love and also we were thinking of maybe taking one or two lectures that we've recorded that we like best um and making those available to our Patreon supporters too. Yeah, let us know if that's a good idea. Like, because right. <laughs> I like on the one hand, I feel like why, you know, who would want to watch us lecturing? But but you might. And so if if our Patreon supporters want to see one of our lectures, I'll I'll happily post post. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I would too. It is. It would be cringy if like we posted and everyone's like, why would I want to see that? <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> like my uh, students do. Yeah, but they have to, right? They, they don't have, have to. to. <laughs> they're like paying like, money to. <laughs> yeah, have, they're well, paying I, me. I guess $50, they are dollars a year. Uh, <laughs> right. Um. So so yeah. Thank you to everybody so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Giovanni for that cool fan art, and um, let's get to the main episode. All right, now to talk about, uh, I feel like we've been teasing a main segment like this for so long that we finally we finally had to pull the trigger and do it for episode 200. I think I, Tamler, was more reluctant than you. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, this was originally a uh, Patreon suggestion. Right. Um, and I thought it was a good idea. But I think, yeah, you were a little more reluctant. But you have these issues with audio that I don't have. <laughs> yeah, my first response. So, so okay, so episode 45, 
Um, we should put a link to the original article, which we both agreed was horrendous. <laughs> Did you read it again? Yeah. Well, not the whole thing, but I, enough to recall that it was terrible. But there was an article, it was like a British tabloid article arguing that um, because brains... No, because brain, girls' brains are wired crisscross and boys' <laughs> yeah, brains are wired back to front and front to back. Yeah, uh, that that we need to provide, much like when you want to provide a balanced diet to you know for your health, we should psychologically provide a, a balanced gender diet by giving boys and girls, both boy, boy and girl toys. And so this... Uh, led us to uh, qu- quite the argument. Although I must say, upon re-listening, it was worse in my memory than than it was. But we got in a big argument, and I think that that in revisiting, what we need to do is put some of the issues to rest. Because one of the problems in that argument, well, one, my voice was gone. Uh, I sound really stupid. But two, we were talking past each other for so long that it made for just a lot of useless arguing, like arguing that just didn't get us anywhere. And I like to think, actually, why don't we do this? I'm going to give just a few reactions to re-listening, and then I want your reactions uh, to re-listening. Sure. One of the things, so so that, that I think that we were arguing past each other, and I don't remember if it, I guess it just took us a while to understand what we were arguing I don't. I mean, I don't think that fully resolves the argument. I think there is a disagreement there, but but it was frustrating to listen to ourselves go round in circles. Can I just say on that? Like, I feel like there was something in the first part of it that I didn't get that you were saying, and then there was something in the second part of the discussion that you didn't get that I was saying. Yep. We and we got stuck, and we got stuck, and and one of the problems I think was that the discussion would go from narrow, like, should you give your kids more toys to like this super, like different toys to the super broad, like, is there gender inequality? And like, in no, like, it's in no apparent order. Uh, one of the things that I noticed that I think we're just a lot better on now, you would, you would know more since you edit, but uh, we talk over each other a lot less. Like we're we're just more polite now <laughs> to each other. It, I, that was that was definitely an impression I got. I was like, I can't believe we keep interrupting each other. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you thought that was the stick, but I think we were actually in the moment, like having having like some some difficulties. Can I just say, like, I, I and I think this is true. I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but my memory is that we recorded the first version of that and it was so bad and rancorous but also just incoherent that we then decided to record a, another version of it and then when I was editing it I kind of picked between the two versions and I think you can hear that your voice sounds a little different depending on like where what I ch- chose from do you remember that I don't remember it. I do remember um, the woman I was dating at the time, Alex, being like, what the hell is going on? And she was in the other room and it wasn't a very like private um, apartment. (laughs) (laughs) No, right. Like we used to get into fights. (laughs) Yeah. You like on and off air and like, yeah, we just don't do that anymore. Yeah. My only less insightful observation was I think we cursed more. Like we just did. Dude, did we? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like you insulted me more. Like I, I don't know. You said some pretty insulting things. Like I feel like you know what I didn't remember is Eliza. 
Yeah, I had no recollection of that at all. And I thought it was a low, like it's just a cheap shot to try to argue with, with your daughter. <laughs> hey, Dave, you think that girls who play with dolls aren't good at math? Well, I love dolls, and my math teacher called me a genius because I figured out a super hard problem that even the teacher couldn't figure out. And I got a 99 in both math and science on my report card. Oh, and don't dismiss this as anecdotal. (laughs) Wait, okay. So, you know, first of all, Liza's great. Uh, 99 on a report card in math and science. Those were her highest grades. I, I'm confused. Three com- or four in English or something like I'm that. I'm confused about your desire for me not to take that as anecdotal evidence when that is the definition of anecdotal. Well, that's, that, those were her words. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Uh, like, first of all, it's just really funny for me because, like, the difference between this, like, unselfconscious, like, nine or 10 year old, <laughs> yeah. like, versus, like, this, you know, obviously self conscious 16 year old that she is right now is so, like, plain. Like, she just came in there, like, looking to spit fire, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then, like, I clearly told her to say, like, and don't dismiss this as. <laughs> and, then, and then you denied it. <laughs> right. And then you were like, well, it's kind of the definition of anecdote. That don't. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's the, those were her words, you know. Like, like, <laughs> threw her under the bus. Like. <laughs> but I played it for her, and she didn't have any memory of doing it either. It was just like. That's insane how, how we could have such little memory. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, those were my own, my only two insights. Uh, like then there's obviously substantive stuff to talk about, but like about in terms of of the the actual episode upon re-listening to it, and our audio was shittier. So the the article we were working off of, which is ridiculous that we would do like this Express UK thing as like the art the article for the main segment. Why wasn't that an opening segment? Yeah, I don't know. This was the main segment where we talked about in the opening segment some like new atheist thing. Yeah, yeah. So th- this was our main segment article. It was from the Express and it leads off saying, we all left on recent research that it indicated boys and girls' brains are wired differently. There are even pic- pretty pictures of brain scans <laughs> to prove the point that boys could read maps and girls could chat for Britain. So Science... <laughs> What the fuck? I don't understand. Scientists in Pennsylvania scanned 1,008 to 22-year-olds. And eight is just a, like a the word, and 22 <laughs> is just a number for some reason. Eight to 22-year-olds and found that male brains appeared to be wired front to back and were better, the brains were better at spatial skills, whereas female brains crisscross from left to right, which might explain... Which might explain how they could cope with several tasks at once. And like no, no, like no reference. Like it says Pennsylvania, as if Pennsylvania is a unit of research. Like, a- <laughs> and, and and yeah, and they, they scanned exactly one thousand. But so okay, which might explain. I like that. Like whereas female brains cr- crisscross from left to right, which might explain how they could cope with several tasks at once. Like. In what way might that explain that? I've often thought when trying to multitask, if only my brain were more crisscrossy, is intuitively, obviously, the way that brains tackle. Like, my wife is really good at multitasking in a way that I'm not, but now I know the explanation. It's because it's... Crisscross. Yeah. 
but so then the next sentence, which we talked about in the in the episode, so parents could be forgiven for concluding that it doesn't matter <laughs> if girls play with Disney princesses all day and can't read maps; they're just acting out their biological destiny. This was our main <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Thing. Like, like none of those things make sense. Like zero things in those, and these are three different paragraphs make sense. And then actually the opposite of, is true. Say those who know. <laughs> That's like a poorly sourced article from the times. Our brain wiring isn't set. This is something that we've like, we've talked about a lot. It changes depending on what we do with it, especially in our first 10 years. So this was what we were leading off of and what got us into this big fight. But now we have two uh, new articles. You found um, like a meta-analysis of systematic research and meta-analysis of toy preference research. And I found... We could do a whole episode on the, 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 the David Stove article that you sent. Oh, I know. Did you actually find it? I didn't see that. We should read the abstract. Of I, I read it. Um, you read the whole article? I read the whole article. I, I couldn't find it. Like, it exists? I guess I didn't really try to find it, but... Uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we should let, let's just save that. let's save it it's called let's just say the title is the intellectual capacity of women <laughs> <laughs> honestly i thought that uh their intellectual capacity was equal to ours but apparently not but <laughs> i uh, honestly re it, i could not believe it i you know and you know what's funny is that you sent me the you posted this in our slack we have a, a slack channel for posting uh ideas and you posted two. You posted the the review article that was a real article. Why does all the girls have to buy the pink stuff? The ethics and science of the gendered toy marketing debate by Cordelia Fine and Emma Rush. And then you posted this article called The Intellectual Capacity of Women. And you said, that one's a joke, but this one's serious. But I read it wrong. <laughs> I thought you were saying that the review article was a joke, but that the other one was serious. And I started reading the other one and I was getting pissed at you. Like I was like, <laughs> fuck Tamler. Like, we're not going to talk about this article. This is terrible because it, ter <laughs> it is actually really terrible. And, and I really want you to read it now. Right. Like, so, that's um, a good opening <laughs> segment. <friend>. <laughs> <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the, the opening, like I'm going to tease it. The first sentence is, I believe that the intellectual capacity of women is, on the whole, inferior to that of men. <laughs> there was some, uh, I saw like on Phil Papers where I, I don't know, I even know how I found this, but I don't remember. But I don't want to know what search terms you were yeah, using. What chan I was on. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think you, I think basically you just got Christina's thumb drive by mistake. <laughs> I will say that before she became like a propaganda outlet for like police unions and like, <laughs> like, yeah, I hope you, you better keep this in <laughs> like to try, like the war against boys is that she wrote was like pretty like, that's a good book. And I think it did highlight the way that boys are struggling right now in education and the workforce and for whatever reason like people aren't paying attention to that <clears throat> i think this is the also the the niche as the french would say that jordan peterson slid into which is like there there was there is this need to address 
some of the problems that, that we have with men. And he was directly speaking to them. If we're going to talk about this right now, I want to go through a little bit like our episode and what we disagreed upon. But it's like these articles, like they establish the, the one that you sent, establish that pretty robustly boys prefer different toys than girls. And, you know, we kind of knew that, but it it really pretty much documents it in uh, definitively. We'll go through, like, because they had hypotheses about what might be going on in their meta-analysis of these studies, and it turns out only, like, one of the things they thought um, that they predicted actually turned out to be the case. Um, everything else was pretty robustly, I mean, 16 studies, but l- let's talk about it. Let's first talk, though, about the our disagreement, because I think that's that will set the stage. So the first disagreement where I say I I didn't totally track what you were saying uh, and and just to preface it, like the rest of that ridiculous article talks about how you should give children a balanced play diet. And so it just goes through like different ages and says, you know, offer dolls to boys, um, let, like put girls in a more risk-taking situations, let them like ri- build high things even if they don't want to. and Yeah, I remember this sentence. In other words, by giving children a wider range of toys and, experience, and experiences, parents can help them develop a properly rounded brain. That's not to say that a girl can't play with a doll or a boy shoot a toy gun, but they should also have access to other toys as part of a balanced play diet. And then it says, one glance in a toy shop reveals just how difficult this is to achieve. And so I was a little put off by that, partly because I you know, I think parents are already too involved in their kids' lives. And so like doing this would be just like, just leave the fucking kids alone and let them play with what they want to play with. Actually, that's a first case where like your your resistance about being more involved, um, I don't think I got because I just assumed you're involved when you take a kid to the toy store anyway. Like it didn't seem like being more involved to me. Um, but now that you say it, that that is something you were saying. It, yeah, it is. What what would be a properly rounded brain? Like, would it go diagonally in the brain? Like, would it? <laughs> like, do we? Can it not be crisscrossy and back to front? Like, it's just smooth. It's just smooth. Like when Dave Chappelle talks about smooth like an egg. Um, no, but the, here, what I wasn't getting, which you're right about, is all you were saying was a little counter-programming. Yeah. Right? Just a little counter-programming to what is relentlessly pressed on them through commercials and going to the toy aisles and stuff like that. So, yes, you want to resist some totalitarian thing where, like, kids are forced to play with things they don't want to play with. But just a little bit of counter-programming to, like, the stereotypes is not the worst thing in the world. Right, because I had already viewed in my mind like the the hardcore marketing that is like super annoying. If you if you ever make the mistake of letting your kids watch actual TV and not like streaming, you see like this, it, it upsets me in a, like a Chomskyan way, like how much they're influencing what it is that that our kids are wanting. And so I was like, let's, let's try, like if we could create uh, a neutral environment to see what they like, that would be ideal. But I, I fear that it's hard to create a neutral environment. So yeah, so like a little counter-programming uh, might might be helping. I mean, like, but again, it all depends on, and this is my biggest disappointment with the episode, is what what are we talking about here? 
And so, like, what are we talking about how to deal with, like, we didn't really address, like, what we should do. Like, on the one hand, there's just, let's spend a little more time in the boy aisle with our our kids. And then on the other hand, there's, like, like, boys aren't allowed to play with, like, soldiers and dinosaurs and girls have to. Then the part that I got stuck on that I, like, realized that I just wasn't getting was your later argument. Because as we were arguing, we started talking about, like, what the goal was for this, right? And and I was trying to argue that the goal is uh, that, look, like, there is this problem of inequality in that women are uh, less likely to be in STEM fields. But you were saying, is it inherently morally wrong to have a distribution that's different, where there is a world in which women have preferences A and a world in which men and, and men have preferences B? and a world in which they both have the same preferences. Is one world really morally better than the other? And I think at that like that straight up level of of analysis like the the straight up conceptual analytic philosophy you were doing, I would say no. Those are not inherently it's not inherently immoral. The problem was I was stuck on you saying is it immoral to have this world that just is this way that nobody made this way. And I was stuck on the word immoral because to me a moral judgment was about an agent or like an action or someone's character. Like that's what it means. And I think you were just talking about in some in some evaluative way, is this good or bad? And so that, that's what I was stuck on. So we spent way too much time arguing in circles about that. I think what I was stuck on is that a world in which preferences are asymmetrical or, or like I won't even say unequal, just different between men and women is only bad if those preferences themselves are somehow affecting the lives of the people. So in a world in which uh, women truly want low-paying, low-status jobs and men truly want high-status, high-paying jobs, then I would say that's like a bad that's like a bad world. Right. But I have to admit that just just the fact of differential preferences can't be immoral. Like there's just people have preferences. Yeah. And in fact, the thing that I saw that I and I think this is it's not just you, it's everybody. There's a whole assumption, which is somewhat offensive to someone like me, that is held by many people in this debate is that the stereotypically male fields are better. Yeah, I could hear you getting pissed at that, at like the science envy. Yeah, exactly. Like you'll only have a good life if you're a scientist or engineer or like a computer programmer and like otherwise you might as well be selling drugs or like living in the street. But like... That's the weird part of this debate is that like this is kind of unquestioned on both sides, even the people who are on like my stepmother's side and be like, well, they're just better at it, like naturally and genetically. But it could very well be right that the stereotypically female jobs lead to greater life satisfaction. And if anything, like this counter socialization that you might do to girls could make them less happy. And like, if anything, what you would need to do is just make the boys play with American girl dolls and just leave the girls alone because they're, they'll be happier than if you try to. And, and this is what I think that like, I, I actually see this happening with both boys and girls with all the STEM propaganda that you get now in schools everywhere is that like people have stopped wondering whether this is actually like the right thing to make people happy, you know? Um, and, it, and, and if it's not, 
then like girls would be lucky to not have the stereotype of them not being and boys would be unlucky, you know? I, I get what you're saying, which is that we shouldn't value these other jobs so highly. But it sounds like what you're saying is that unhappiness, is, like unhappiness is somehow higher in those jobs. Maybe it's just like correlated with working, like how many hours you have to work and how many, uh, you know, like how much it takes over your life in all these other ways. And like, do you find it meaningful? And do you find it like, do you feel like you are, do you feel fulfilled by what you're doing? Okay. So here's a question. If an investment, if somebody wants to go into investment banking and they're like, they really want it. They just, they're like, no, yeah, man, this is the, uh, the most awesome like job in the world. I want to do it. And you know that they're actually going to be miserable, which is probably the case. Like the, the like these, well, especially here, we get like a, a bunch of kids going into investment banking because we're close to New York city and, and they actually get burned out re like really quickly. And a lot of them are miserable. So, um, but they want to do it. So are you saying that because they might be miserable, we should push them away from it, even though they want it? Well, this is the thing. I'm not saying that necessarily, but I'm saying like, it, it's not automatically clear that like they're getting the better deal than somebody who becomes a teacher. And, you know, even though they're making a lot less money and it's, I guess, considered lower status. I don't know like what the status, how the status. I mean, I mean, I think definitely like high school and elementary teachers are lower status than than investment bankers. But I don't know how you measure status in these situations. Well, the amount of money that society is willing to pay you is one one way. But that's okay. So salary is one thing, but salary, the status independent of that is like, you you know, you're like a uh, a professor, you don't make as much money as some of the people who work in industry. And do you feel like you're lower status than those people? Like, I don't feel like that. No, they give me status for, for being a professor. So it's not just money. Here, here's the, the status test. Like, like when you, when a, a Jewish girl brings home a guy she's dating, what does the mother say? <laughs> yeah, that is the, <laughs> and, and you don't see that those studies run. Actually, <laughs> no, you don't. Which, like you're a what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have matured so much. Yeah. Where do they tell their friends on the phone? Uh, like, do they start off with what he is? Like, he's a lawyer, or he's a nice young man. <laughs> My, uh, Eliza was saying to me the other day, there was some, like maybe a teacher or something was like, and like, I told him you were a philosophy professor and he thought that was actually cool. Like, <laughs> she was like really deeply surprised, you know? I will say like, I get so, like my, my, uh, daughter, the, the, the way that I get points with her is just like, if if I'm on the internet or I know somebody who's on the internet, <laughs> that's status. Like that's, that's exactly. Uh, so a few things. I think that that because we're starting in a world where the male-dominated jobs are higher status and higher paying to begin with, it's like a deeply confounding, like it's a deep compound that that's how the world is. Because I think you're right. Like if. Suppose that, um, you know, being a nurse or a caretaker or a, a elementary school teacher was valued in society and a high paying job that gave you power, then it would be less of a problem. I think the deck is stacked 
so that the male-dominated fields get more status. And in fact, you have these weird cases in which you get a reversal sometimes. So this is, somebody told me this, I, I haven't looked up the paper, but apparently in Russia, I don't know if it's still the case, but for a while, women dominated in uh, the medical field. There were way more women MDs than men. It's because it just wasn't, it wasn't a high status job. And so when you take that away and you get like this ramp up in women doing like doing that job, then, then that's when it makes me wonder like what, you know, that's why I want the counter programming just to see like, Hey, you have, you have a shot at being a high status, but your point is that it shouldn't be that way to begin with. They, they shouldn't be high status jobs to begin with. Like there, at least there shouldn't be a difference. Yeah. I mean, I do believe that, but also that like, so let me read something from the Cordelia Fine article. So she's, uh, and it's not just Cordelia Fine. It's also, she has a co-author, but I don't have but the paper cares? right now. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's just a woman. So whatever. <laughs> Uh, while, the, while the negative effects of gender stereotypes can be detrimental to both sexes, because male-typed occupations and roles often have higher status and earnings relative to female-typed counterparts, there are particularly, uh, bad, assume, bad consequences uh, for females with clear lifelong impacts. So uh, that's where, that, that, that I take as... And then she cites somebody who documents the empirical uh, support, which I don't doubt. But money isn't everything and status isn't everything. And so you have to look at all these other things like, like, and thank God, because like, I, you know, I don't make, I don't make uh, a lot of money compared to like somebody who's in STEM. You have to look at all these other things like job satisfaction and hours and life satisfaction. And, you know, you see plenty of guys who are in high status jobs that are wealthy and, and like someone like people here who work in oil and gas, but they're like hollowed out by their jobs and they don't find it meaningful. And they say that they don't find it meaningful. And it's like, it leads to like a deep crisis. And so like, while I agree absolutely that people in education and social work should have more status and get more money. I also think that like, it's not that clear who's getting the better deal here. Well, no, but the the problem isn't that as I see it. I mean, the problem is that what you have is um, women with the same level of aptitude and interest starting off not getting into some of these STEM careers. That's just like, well, if you want to be, you know, like if you want to be a miserable neurosurgeon who's like, you know, constantly on call and has like a shitty life, then I, I want my daughter to have equal access to that shitty life. And I want, and I want the men to have equal access to like the, the, $35,000 a year public school teacher <laughs> in like the inner city who's like losing all, like just losing their shit because the kids don't do anything in their class or whatever, you know? How do I reach these kids? <laughs> yeah, I can make a movie of them. <laughs> Gangster's paradise. <laughs> but the white, though, it's usually a white woman teacher that like saves, saves it. Um, thinking too of the, what's the guy in the wire? Prez, Prez Belusky in the wire. <laughs> oh, I love Prez though. Uh, even though he blinded a little black kid, is that why you like him? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's what that show does. I mean, like Bodie. I know you're rooting for Bodie, like by the end, and he was just like just scum. <laughs> he just <laughs> he killed. Um, he killed Michael B. Jordan for God's sake. I know. Where Wallace at? Where Wallace? <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah. Like I just want. 
like I would like there to be equal access to shitty jobs and life affirming good jobs because there are plenty of women who are in roles that they're miserable in and that don't have high status. But I but I also think that like so here's one thing I was thinking when I was re-listening to the episode. So when I was giving my like ideal societies, idealized societies, there was one where there was like equal distribution of men and women in all the different fields. And there was another one where there was unequal distribution, but there was no prejudice or discrimination in that world. If like you conceded, but I'm about to make a concession, like in that world, you know, if like 75% of engineers are men, but the 25% of women who are engineers have like all the same opportunities and nobody's trying to steer them away from it, then my feeling is that that's fine. Like it doesn't matter. Like it, we don't need like a 50-50 split there. But then like there was something you said at the end where it's like, but that's not really how it works, right? If if like a, a man, if a field is dominated by one sex or the other or one race or the other, probably there's going to be this, people are going to feel uncomfortable if they're in the minority and maybe they'll be less respected. And so that would be a pro tanto reason <laughs> to, um, to try to make things more equal. But again, not you don't want to over-socialize people so that they're doing work that they don't want to do. Right, which... which- which can happen, right? So like we, we know a lot of kids who go to our universities who come in with like, especially I'll say as, as the sort of child of immigrants and like being raised in a, in a community where there are a lot of immigrants, the pressure on being like a doctor or a lawyer is ex- intense, man. And so I see so many kids who come in pre-med and they don't want to be like, you can just tell they don't want to be. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. And but but let me just say it was a it was actually a funny reversal to see you arguing what was such like an an idealistic argument where you were almost like arguing like a veil of ignorance kind <laughs> of like in the absence of all other things like <laughs> and I, and I was arguing like but it's messy like when there's men who dominate the field like women feel uncomfortable and like whatever. <laughs> totally. <laughs> while at the same time calling me a Kantian. Well, I want to unpack what I was saying about the Kantian, if I can, but because uh, that's where you said you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I'm not 100% sure I knew, <laughs> but I, I'm going to give it a shot. That was you punching me in the balls because you weren't winning the fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't know about that. But but you know what's weird about podcasts is that, you, like, I know, like, I, I, I took, I listened to it on a walk. Yeah. And I know... Every Absolutely. every place that I was at every juncture in the podcast. So like the time I was on the podcast, like the time that I was talking about the Kantian, like I can pinpoint within like 30 feet where I was on this walk. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's an example that I always use when I'm lecturing on memory in intro psych because uh, memory is hugely uh, spatial. And so you can, you can, if you can tie facts or events, whatever, to regions of physical space, you can remember that shit so much easier. I, yeah, I remember like, I'll listen to, there's a, a podcast episode that I love that, uh, that I always remember I was vacuuming that like the exact spot, right. not even like that. I was vacuuming the spot I was vacuuming. 
<laughs> when I heard it. And if I'm like biking past a place where I heard uh, like some podcast that made an impression on me, it'll pop to mind again. Oh, this is where I heard that, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's like this weird thing. It's, it is how memory champions do it. If you, if you look at these like world competitions of, of memory champions, like people who can memorize an entire deck of cards in like 30 seconds, what they're doing is they're putting each card in a, they're remembering like a particular path that they walk, right? Like that they know very well, like from my dorm room to the cafeteria and at each spot in their imaginary walk, they put the card and that helps them remember. So yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. That's like, amazing. It's God, that's like some like neuros only neuroscientists will be able to explain how that works. Well, if your brain is front to back, you, but remember, you should always like wipe. figure eight. If it has a figure eight, like in the middle, you should always wipe front to back. By the way, I think that's the only front to back uh, wisdom that there is. <laughs> I think that you, yeah, you've said that to me on the podcast yes. multiple times, and I still like never remember which way I'm supposed to wipe. <laughs> You want to end end with the poop. On. <laughs> you don't want to spread. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to spread it on like your balls. You don't want, to, you don't want E. coli on your nutsack. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so actually, there this this leads to a point that uh, I unfortunately didn't send this to you in time, but I was reading it right before. But there is there is this finding that many, I think, including your stepmom, like champion. But but there is a finding that says. In or that demonstrates in countries with greater gender egalitarianism, gender equality. So there is a standardized people measure using a bunch of different metrics, like how much gender equality is in the nation in, in a, any given nation. And so you can you can uh, like rank nations in terms of their gender equality, which is totally accurate and valid. It is what what many people mean by equality. So you have like things like uh, well, I don't. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's a but at least it's not just one measure. It's a bunch of different measures. In those countries, women end up being in STEM less. Like the higher the gender equality, presumably the more options the woman has, the less likely they are to be in STEM. And so I was like in the rabbit hole that I was in in preparing for this podcast. I started, I was reading about that because that it is weird, right? That's like a that's a weird finding that that might say something. It's not that weird because I don't think it's that fun to be in STEM. Well, your anti-STEM uh, feelings aside, if, <laughs> if we assume... Well, you know, they don't count your field, by the way. And, like, whenever they're doing, like, the massive inequalities, they never count psychology and, like, social sciences in general. Because we're social science, yeah, and, and you know. Um, e even the life sciences are, are like, heavily, uh, way more heavily women. Like biology, right? Yeah, exactly. So people have argued if what is really happening is that in the absence of, of inequality pressures, you see women going to more traditionally female stereotypical roles, th that means that their preference was that the whole time, right? So it's not, it's like, like in the absence of pressure, you should see their true preference emerge or whatever. Um, so I was reading a study published in 2018 that was looking at this, to trying to unpack what was going on. And it was actually super interesting. I'll put a link to to it. Yeah. I wish you had sent this to me. Yeah, I know. It was right before. I thought it would be mean to send you a paper right before. But, but I figured I could just summarize it. What they looked at in this paper was across, I think it was 67 countries, 
they took, there is a, a standard assessment that's given to thousands of people in these countries that is an aptitude test of science, math, and reading. So students get these, these aptitude tests and they get a score, like how good are, are you at science literacy, at math, and at, at reading skills, reading comprehension and all that. And so they can look across all the countries at the gender differences. And what you find is that there is no gender difference in really in science literacy. So, so about half of the countries, well, a little bit less, like a third of the countries, boys score higher on science literacy, a third of the countries, girls score higher, and about a third of the countries, there's no significant difference. And what these authors looked at was, well, maybe what's going on is that when you're making a career decision, what you're using to guide your choice, like a rational agent who has no, they're not, like there's no pressure, um, uh, external pressure to make these decisions. A rational agent might say, let me look at my relative strength. So what they find is that a lot of women score higher on reading than science. And so uh, even though they're objectively good at science, they're better at reading. And what they look at is the equality, this gender equality index. And what they find is that in countries with uh, less gender equality, the relative strengths matter less. So women in those countries, what they argue is, since they're experiencing hardship to begin with, they go after the jobs that are higher paying. So if I'm good at science, I'm going to go into one of these STEM fields because I actually can earn more money. I can provide for my family. Um, and then fuck, you know, even though I'm better at reading, fuck that, like I'm going to go into the higher paying job. It's in countries with less inequality where women are just better able to, to go with their highest strength. Right. And I don't know what this says, but I, but it was a nice way of, of showing one that it's not that the inherent science and math abilities are different. Although math, there was a gender difference, but science abilities like it's not that those abilities are just not present in women. It's something else. And by like in every single country, women score higher in reading. And in most countries, men score higher in math. But in science, you know. Because science is kind of bullshit, but also kind of. But also good. But also kind of mathy. But also good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, this is something I, we have a lot of. Uh, children of immigrants and first-generation college students at U of H. And those are the ones that feel the most pressure to, to take the, the high-paying, high-status jobs. And if you tell them that even if they want to be like an English major or a philosophy major, like that's just the parents just aren't having it. Yeah, it makes sense because they don't have the buffer. They don't have like the ability that some parents have of like you know, catching you if you fall. Right. And I, I could be an English major because my, you know, like it would just like worse comes to worse, which it practically was for a while. Uh, like I, I would, you know, I had a buffer. Exactly. And so this is, this cuts between the, the sexes and is more of a class thing. But this is also the thing where like if women are more, are better at it and also would have more fulfilling lives than trying to force into and, and I say this because I have women tastes, you know, and so like I feel like I wouldn't have been happy doing some of the things that are stereotypically male that, yeah, like it's it seems like 
wrong-headed to try to engineer that. Yeah. So so I think like one way of looking at the problem is just at the level of individual differences and not gender differences. I think that all things being equal, if there is no financial, social, like, you know, weirdly sort of cultural pressure to go into one field or another, and you're just left to your own devices, I want us to be able to live in a society where you do what you want to do. So if it turns out that what is driving women's uh, desire to go, say, into teaching is that they have a relative relative high aptitude of reading over science, even though science is good, and they have that preference, then I, I, I would think in a society where they're not being pressured in to be a teacher or a nurse, like, you should be a teacher, like, um, like they tell little girls to be nurses instead of doctors. In a world that were, that was more gender equal, I would say, like in Finland and Norway, where you get this effect, I would say that's not an immoral outcome. Like, I wouldn't want to pressure those people into doing something they don't want to do. I mean, there could be pragmatic reasons where you, you're like, well, I want more female doctors because female doctors actually make for better doctors for women. Like, you might want that pressure to be there. But if there really is some propensity for women to be better at reading and they like that, then good. You would say that about an individual. Like, I'm not going to try to like, like, this is the thing that they want to do, they're good at, and it'll make them happy. So let them do it. The problem is trying to tease apart what, like, what we've told women will make them happy. Let me try to, um, that's a good segue into trying to unpack what I was saying about the Kantian thing. And maybe I'll play this clip. Uh, <laughs> and it was out of the blue that I brought this up. I, I, rem- I when I listened to it, I regained. I had the same feeling I had in the original. Like it just re- renewed. The, like. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I want to say from my point of view, because I know everyone's going <coughs> to hate me on this, even though I'm <laughs> so good hearted and big hearted. And I haven't formalized this yet. When I do, it'll be like a breakthrough and <laughs> philosophical thought. There's this sort of implicit ideal in which there's, I don't know, there's something platonic about it or Kantian where the only thing that should matter is this noumena, some sort of rationalist conception of the soul is the only the thing that should matter, about. and we should work to eliminate every other difference and influence. I don't that... know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I swear. How, how does a simple claim about basic, basic different gen- gender inequality and differences in the way that we treat our daughters versus our sons, like how does that have anything to do with Kant's metaphysics? I mean, it's like you're denying, you just want to deny that this shit happens. It's like, I want to let kids play with the toys they want to play with. All right. How do they, how do they decide what they want to play with? You, you have some sort of, in, you think that they make their preferences in a vacuum. Only I don't. That's by- the thing. That, no, you're assuming that the only way they can be playing with the toys that they really, in this like Kantian platonic sense, want to play with is if it's that they haven't been influenced by anything either that's, externally that's, or internally through their brain wiring. That's or absolutely not what I'm saying. I, I, I want, yes, I understand that the reason that they want to play with certain toys is in part because they've seen TV shows and they have friends. And, that and you don't put think that those TV shows and, and that, friends yeah, and society and is, whatever. is like, sexist? I understand that that, 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 that will influence 
to you don't think that those influence are direction those influences are directional in in making women maybe they maybe they those influences make them more likely to want to play with dolls and that's the part i just don't see anything wrong with so then they play with dolls then they want to play with dolls and they're happy when they play with dolls and i don't see that and then maybe for boys because it's always this is always focused on girls. Maybe boys the influences to play with guns and dinosaurs and whatever, and so that makes them want to play with guns and dinosaurs. Yeah, in both cases and whatever. So the, so what? Like so so then that's what they play with and they're happy. But because the thing is, I don't think that they have. I don't. They should be wanting to play with the same toys. That's your that's, end. It's not my premise. You're being so thick-headed about this. There was this sense that I got from you, um, and this was at the same time that there were like people were saying, don't pay attention to interviews because that'll just be biased. And so you won't get a real sense of the person if, uh, if, if you interview them. It just seemed to me that there was this conception of a, like a Kantian noumenal self. I don't know why I brought Plato into it in the episode. Like, I don't think this has anything to do with Plato. Now, yeah. Now that you've come around to loving Plato, now you're, now you're recanting your platonic, like, no, the caves. Cool. 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 No, no, no. But like, like, I just don't even get what I was thinking, even at the time where I didn't like, this has nothing to do with Plato. Like, as far as I could tell, like, I don't even know what I was talking about with that. But the Kantian thing, I absolutely do. So this noumenal self that like exists independent of like gender and socialization, (laughs) biology, and that the goal of like moral philosophy is to organize society in in a way that just gives that noumenal self that's independent of all those things maximal freedom. And that any time you get socialization through gender stereotypes or whatever else influences the noumenal self, uh, that that constrains its freedom and that's unfair. And then just because whatever, for whatever reason right now, it's usually unfair towards women. But you could definitely say that it's also unfair towards men in, in you know, all sorts of ways too. But like... There is no noumenal self, which you agree with. And so, like, the socialization and the biology just is the person. Yeah, I still don't don't understand the appeal to the noumena. <laughs> like, I, like, I'm not even sure that you're getting the noumena right here. Like, we don't really, <laughs> we don't have access to the noumena. But, like, I, I understand what you're saying. But, but I do think, look, there are ways in which, like, I guess the thought experiment for me is this. Like, imagine that we wanted to systematically oppress, like, redheads. Right. And so, um, and so we went out of our way to tell redheads that they could only ever be, uh, bus boys and pooper scoopers and all that. And, uh, redheads turns out they, they end up like developing preference for pooper scooper toys when they're, they're kids. I think that the question of what a redhead really wants to do is not an odd one. Like it's, it's one that you would say like, well, in the absence of the pressure that we've put on the redhead to like poops, pooper scooping, poop scooping, would that redhead develop other desires? And I think the answer would be, yeah, because we've actually done something to like, we know in this thought experiment, we've actually intervened to make their preferences one way or another. Now, what, what happens when I remove all of that pressure is that the biology just has a greater chance of popping up as a source of preferences. 
um, and so in that sense, like I get why you're saying like, well, why is bio like biology might not be fair in, in any sense, but like, at least there is no agent who's actively trying to shape the preference. And that's why in your, in your thought experiment were two worlds where one, the biology causes inequality and the, and socialization causes inequality. I was like, well, if there is an agent that is like actively causing somebody to have preferences that give rise to a worse outcome for them, then remove that. Like, I think we should remove that. Yeah. If they're actively trying, I mean, it's weird because they're not act like nobody's trying to like, it's not a conscious decision to like oppress people. It's just trying to make money based on like the previous socialization. That's right. So, so I don't, I think that it's actually probably bad to attribute active desires to, to oppress, but there are s structures that were caused because of the original intentions to keep, keep women in check or whatever. And, and Hispanics like me. You know, I've broken free. I've broken free of my... Wh is Hispanics like white? It's my word for white Hispanic, whiteino. We are, we're, we're few, we're proud. We tend to vote Republican in Florida. <laughs> white to next. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, white, white to next. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so, but there is this weird thing, like we're all just a bundle of socialization and biology and like to try to like untangle that and find this thing that exists independent of them is, seems like a fool's errand. But obviously that's true if there's this even conscious or even unconscious effort to like move certain people, you know, it's a good thought experiment for why this would be bad, just letting it naturally unfold. We would want, I think, in, in an ideal world, that them to have more options. Um, and options where they could, I don't know, there's something there that is somewhere between what you're saying and the noumena, like some, some middle position that I want to take where if you have aptitudes and abilities that are just part of your biology, like you're, you're pretty good at art, um, and let's say you're better at art than you are at math, I want you to be able to do art for a living. And so in that sense, I want socialization to be, to not hinder you, to not hinder you. But, but you're absolutely right that there is no way, there's no way this re does remind me of our discussion of John Rawls and like the weirdness of what it means to be behind the veil of ignorance where you have no, you're nobody. Like, no, you can't be a nobody. Like I'm, I'm infusing this thought experiment with some value about, about what's good and what's, what's bad. But Still, I can't shake the the like the opinion that little girls are often told, and you and I have seen it. Like um, maybe it's getting better, but I, I've totally seen people be like, "Oh, you should be a nurse, or you'll be such a good mother, or you'll be whatever." Like they get that more, right? Uh, in one of Eliza's math classes, they had um, they were assigned a project to do like recipes. And like the point was to work with fractions, like how to deal with fractions and all of that. But they had to do recipes. And I remember saying she was probably like eight or nine, like finally something that's actually useful for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say one thing that I thought we were both guilty of is like this weird assumption that like if biology is the cause, then it's less malleable than if socialization is the cause. Like, why were we like that? Like, we know better than that. I think that, the, you're you're right, I, I disagree with what we were saying. I think that what we were driven by must have been the use of biological arguments 
in people just in this domain of arguing, people often are like pointing to innate skills and abilities. But it's absolutely true that just because it's biological doesn't mean it's not changeable. Like it's stupid. That was so stupid. And like I couldn't believe that neither of us were like 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 why were we just taking that for granted? Even in my thought experiment, it was like both of us were taking for granted. Well, if it's biological biological, then it's harder to change. But it's definitely not harder to change. Uh, like you know, like depending on the domain, like it could be much easier to change if it's biological, or much harder. Um, dip, like it's like right, like uh, I think Steven Pinker to invoke a champion. Um, it <laughs> points points this out nicely by saying, like you know, one of the biggest bio, like one of the most common biological constraints we have is poor eyesight, and all it takes is just a trip to the mall. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's a great example of that. Like it's like biological, and you can fix it by just putting on a pair of glasses or having contact lenses. And, That's right. Uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? Tubin could have fixed his biology by just raising his camera. <laughs> <laughs> We wouldn't have had to see this yeah. biological weakness. <laughs> I am so glad that you know this because probably I would be seeing you jerking off right now if you didn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, look, it's not wrong. It's it's not intrinsically wrong to jerk off even when you're doing a political simulation. What's wrong is showing people that you are, right? Like, if we knew when people were jerking off and like what, you know, like we, it would be a terrible, terrible, uh, like piece of knowledge to have about a person. <laughs> we just do not, we want to be protected from knowledge about their sexual behavior and desires. Like, uh, so, but you know, do, do, do what you need to do. So the thought experiment was that here's a world where, like women are, there's just unequal distributions in various fields based on um, sex. And it is the result more of biology than soci socialization. Why am I having problems no, no, saying so, socialization? So you, you've, you, I know you're used to saying socialism because of your recent podcast habits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so there's one world, but in that world, it's this idealized world that I was, for whatever reason, thinking was okay to imagine, um, that there's no discrimination. It's cool if you want to be it, but chances are, like, if you're a girl or you're going to want to go into this field, and if you're a boy, you're going to want to go in that field. But if you do go into the minority field, you're going to be fine. And I was saying, is it any worse if the cause of that is socialization versus biology. Now, I think it's a fucked up question because of what we were just saying, but you were insisting that it is worse because, you know, it came from something that we could change more easily, or I, I actually think it's because you think that STEM fields are better, and so, like, it would be unfair to women. No, it was, it was because of my very sort of like manufacturing consent kind of argument that that when you say socialization changes preferences, in my head I couldn't remove, and this is what made it so, so such a weirdly idealistic argument from you. Um, in my head, I couldn't undo the fact that the that the socialization pressures are for lower paying, less prestigious jobs. And, you know, by the way, there's a, even a time when I said something about leadership and you said, this is the first time you bring it up, but it wasn't. I had brought it up earlier. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that was actually a good, really good point. Like when you brought up like Congress or whatever. Um, I mean, you're always in the political space. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is just who I am. It's like hard for me. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like there, like I was starting to feel it more. But because I don't have that pro-STEM bias, I wasn't feeling the other thing. But then like, okay, but this is representation and... <laughs> but anyway, that was the debate we were having in the last half of it, which is kind of interesting because I actually share the intuition. I remember saying that and I still kind of feel it that if it's if it comes from some socialization process that's unconscious, it's just sort of building on earlier socialization. And it's not it's just trying to make money neutrally like capitalism does, just tries to eat everybody's souls. And this is the way it's trying to eat your soul that that's worse than if it was just, you know, biological dispositions. Again, that's a confused way of thinking about it, but like, I, I kind of agreed with it, but it does, it's, it's weird. Like why, why, given that it's, there's no like central planner here, there's, it's just nature in different domains, like working on you, like what matter? Why does it matter? It does come down to like uh, the the history of of the systems that are that are being perpetuated in the socialization. So if it's a completely random, so so here's here's uh, something. Okay, suppose that um, marketers and like whatever the capitalist engines randomly chose to bombard half of the children population with messages about like hating math and like you know be, staying at home and the other half like got like a bunch of more high set here's like a judge's robe for you to play with and like a chemistry set and and in that society in like like in ours those were higher status already and then people start just telling those kids randomly like yeah i mean the 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 half that got socialized to like you know, want to be teachers and other low status jobs. Like they started talking to them about how cool it is to be a teacher and what, and at the end you end up with, with these two very different distributions based on like which ones, like that seems wrong, right? Like I, I feel like now I'm stacking the argument by, by positing an agent to, that like started this, but, but there was something that started it. Like, I don't want to say patriarchy, but I think that's what I'm looking for. I think that's the word. I, I know I'm going to lose like <laughs> We're going to lose 10,000 listeners for me saying the patriarchy, but like, it's a thing. Yeah, no, that's a thing. But what's weird is that that seems worse than if it was, again, given that it's just a patriarchy that just sort of organically forms, seems worse than if it was some sort of biological thing that like, and I think this is just our fucked up way of understanding like how causes work, but like that seems worse than if it was just, this is the biology of it. And you, you can only push against that so far. Yeah. I think it's hard for me to un, unknow like that, that there are, there is, it's, there aren't really biological differences that, that are driving this that much. Like the, if there are, they're really small and they seem to, and maybe this is why, so maybe this is why society structures became the way they are. Like these, these small differences in biology, like get magnified through socialization. But you're right that it's a naive view of what, if there were something that girls were born with that made them bad at math, that could be fixed with a simple, like, 
you know, just like a minor surgery and they would all be just as good at math. I mean, I guess if you could just like inject somebody. So in sum, uh, give your, make your son play with American girls. Like, or at least an easy bake oven, you know, to get some of those ratios to work. My daughter did just say, she's like, you know what? I kind of feel like being an English major. So the, <laughs> like the socialization ended up working in the end in spite of her genius at math. Th that said, and I don't think it's going to be on this episode because this is long, but she has a, she has a theory about Taylor Swift's new album and Dark, the show Dark, the Netflix show Dark that will blow your mind. So stay tuned. But yeah, post it on Patreon at least. Like, just let her go. Let her let her have at the mic. Yeah, she's she's got this down. I'm really impressed. And I'm actually, I think there's something to it. Like, I think Taylor Swift and Dark is like... But you also think there's something to the UFO uh, conspiracy. Absolutely. Like, I think there are aliens. Now it's just like they're on the moon. Like, Venus, it was like there was Venus, the aliens on Venus. But now they're just on the moon. So, like, that's very close. I think I saw one the other day walking down my street. No, I mean, we're totally fucked. And people are like worried about whether like the Senate goes Democrat when there's just aliens on the moon right now. Like, I don't understand. They're the ones giving Mitch McConnell those bruises. Exactly. And that's the one good thing you can say about them. Uh, off the rails. All right. Thank you for two. Thank you to our listeners for sticking. Not just through this episode, but for 200. 200. 200. That 200. was the thing that we were going to talk that about next it. episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. Join us next time on Very Bad Wizards.